8 to 10 p.m. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Garda. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Garda. So that chat with uh, Faith Abiyodin, we'll have it uh, up as a podcast tomorrow morning around uh, around 9 o'clock. Um, so you can check that out on the SAFM website, SAFM.co. But I would also, um, I'll tweet it. I'll tweet it. I'll Facebook it as well. Um, so you can check it up from my side too. So let's move on to something that's interesting. It's, it's a... It's an interesting extension of what we were talking about earlier on, but we're not talking about South Africa. We talk about people who come up and they're absolute heroes in their country for the stance they take, and they are seen as heroes and celebrated around the world. I'm thinking about an Nelson Mandela would be that classic case in point, except it's not South Africa or Africa. We're talking about a country in Asia. We're talking about Burma or Myanmar, and uh, the name Aung San Suu Kyi, um, and the role she's played after, I think, lost her father, and the role she played uh, to try and... and uh, uh, toppled the, the military junta that has ruled that country for such a long time. So she's got a certain stature in her country, uh, and as a result of that, many countries have, have given her accolades. Uh, but things have changed in recent times around particularly this ethnic group of people called the, the Rohingya or the Rohingya Muslims, I understand. Um, Canada's done something, and now very significantly, Amnesty International has uh, taken up a start. We'll talk about that. So I've got two guests. Uh, Shamila Mohammed is the Executive Director of Amnesty International South Africa. Appreciate you coming in. Thanks for your time. Hi, Ashraf. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And also, Briani Zwani is with us, the CEO of Breakthrough Development, but also has made the point that he lectures at the Gordon Institute of Business Science, which is Gibbs for short, and you need to probably go and visit that school as well sometime. Briani, as always, thanks for your time. Thank you very much. Good. Let's, uh, Shamila, let me start with you. What has happened? So, and when I say what has happened, something happened before. You actually, as an organization, acknowledged her, her global stature, and you did what? So in 2009, I mean, you've um, just highlighted a couple of facts around her. And in 2009, uh, Amnesty uh, decided to uh, award her one of our highest, uh, well, our highest award, which is the Ambassador of Conscience. And uh, we did that because we felt that she was somebody who was uh, fighting not only for her rights, but for the rights of others. And that you know, she took human rights seriously, and this was really important for us. And, uh, you know, uh, the, I mean, that the award that we give, it, you know, Madiba got it, um, Mary Robinson got it. Um, so it's an award that we give to people that we really do admire and people that we think are going to be leaders in, in the field of human rights. Okay, and at that time, so an award, award for conscience... Where was she at that time that the award was given? Well, when we gave her the award, she was under house arrest. Okay. Right. And she was unable to actually access the award. And it was only when she came out in 2012 that uh, Bono, uh, you know, and alongside with Amnesty uh, and you 2 we presented the award to her. And what was really interesting, Ashraf, is that when we gave the award to her, you know, one of the things she said to us at the time was that, you know, um, she actually appealed to Amnesty to say, look, you know, always keep an eye on us. Keep an eye on us. Make sure that, you know, you're watching us make mm, sure that mm. we are doing exactly what we're supposed to be doing and of course as amnesty we took that seriously and we really did we uh, kept an do hour that there. yeah we kept an so eye wh- on her. what has she done <clears throat> because m- maybe you should actually tell us what happened yesterday in terms of a an uh, a letter an announcement uh, made by the the head of amnesty international ironically a south african uh, kuminaida who's been this fearless fighter for, for human rights, got kicked out, I think, of his own university, expelled because of his position all those years ago. What, what, what did Amnesty do then? 
Well, you know, uh, Amnesty uh, took the decision, um, and it wasn't a decision we took lightly. <clears throat> but yesterday, our Secretary General, Kuminaidu, um it wasn't actually yesterday. On, on the 11th of November, we okay. wrote Kumi wrote to her and basically informed her that uh, of our decision to revoke the award to take you know take back our prisoner of conscience award. And uh, in the letter, Kumi expressed our huge, huge sorrow and disappointment, and and real uh, uh, you know sadness that we were forced to do this, but that you know we felt that she had uh, <clears throat> she was not adhering to the values values of the award and that we had constantly reached out to her and expressed our concerns and that you know she it was it fell on deaf ears and that we had no choice as amnesty but to withdraw the award because we could no longer be associated with somebody who we felt was not only just ignoring the violation of others human other other uh, of human rights but was also instrumental okay. so in doing so that. help us not everybody of course may know who she is Aung San Suu Kyi uh, what what's her current position in in that country Burma stroke Myanmar and, and what did she do for Amnesty then to actually withdraw, revoke that award? Well, she, uh, in, in uh, um, I think it was April 2016, she took on, uh, she became the civil um, um, government. She, she became the head of the civil government there. And basically, uh, she's the one who is, uh, a, you know, de facto running running the country. She's in but, charge. No, yeah, no. along with the, with, the, with the military junta. And uh, and I think the thing that really uh, has ups- upset us as Amnesty is that, um, you know, she does not, I mean, you, we all know that, as you said, the Rohingya Muslims have been going through a really tough time. You've got about two, 720,000 have left and crossed over uh, to Bangladesh. Uh, there's been rape, there's been murders, there's been all sorts of horrible things happening to people there. And, you know, she has not stood up and, and, and uh, done or, or even called the military out. And I think the worst thing she's done, um, Ashraf, is that she's blocked UN um, or, or investigators from going down there and, and doing an investigation. I don't know if you're aware that in October the Human Rights Council passed a resolution uh, on Myanmar and on the on the Rohingya that you know that this needed to be looked at more closely. And Amnesty has been trying to push for this to be pushed to the International Criminal Court, but we can't do that without the evidence. And she's blocking it. And I think that for me is one of the the most difficult things that we're facing as Amnesty. Okay. Is that, so that, let, let's pause mm. from that point from Shanila Mohammed, the executive director of Amnesty International South Africa. I'll bring in there Buyani Zwani. Buyani, just first on the politics part of it, what is your understanding of, of what's been going on in, uh, in, in Myanmar and regarding uh, Aung San Suu Kyi? Well, we probably need to be able to look into it uh, beyond just the politics and look into just the whole concept of leadership. It is um, kind of coincidental that it is 27 years since um, she got awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. We in South Africa mark 27 years of incarceration of Madiba. And yeah. in the year that these 27 years come to a close, we're actually finding this taking place. We talk about leadership as being about your ability to be able to give hope. And when awarded, when she was awarded, um, well, a good 13 years ago, mm. what was presented was she is a symbol of hope. She is a symbol of courage. And then, more importantly, a defender of human rights. Now, when you begin to find that that is no longer happening, you're kind of like waking up Shakespeare and he begins to be able to speak mm, about mm, uneasy, mm, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> rest the head that wears a crown. Yeah. Um, and, and essentially, the moment the person took over the role 13 months ago as the prime minister of the country, 
something is expected of you. In 30 months, there's got to be something that distinguishes your imprint as a leader. And what unfortunately has come through has been more silence than uh, coming So, forth. So to confirm, you, you concur with the views of Amnesty International and Shanila Mohammed and others, and perhaps the UN as well, that in fact there are atrocities being committed and she's turning a blind eye. Well, it's quite unfortunate um, because, I mean, the other life that is there is that is to look into what other countries are doing. I mean, if Canada is able to come through and say, well, we gave you an award 11 years ago to be an honorary citizen, and we're not really satisfied that you're living up to the honorary citizenship, that tells a story. Um, it's not very easy for Canadians to be able to take away citizenship that they've given to anyone. Um, in fact, they stood up. In, in times when it was really strange to be able to deal with the uh, bad things that were taking place in the U.S., for argument's sake. You, you're not part of, of Amnesty, but, but from what you know, would you, would you be like supportive of, of the withdrawal of that recognition, like a thumbs up? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And, 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 and not because of <laughs> my uh, co-guest right here. They're sitting right next to you. <laughs> it, it really is really analyzing what has been on. It, it just cannot be supported that you've got 100,000 people that have been displaced under your leadership when you have been the person who stood for human rights. It's an important when point. When that oh. is taken out, then obviously there's something about conscience that has fallen off. Okay. 891 Do you want to engage as well? You can certainly come on air and share your viewpoint about, well, effectively the issues in um, Myanmar um, and the issues of, of uh, particularly the, the people, the, the Rohingya people, Rohingya Muslims, uh, as they've been called, and, and then this leader, Aung San Suu Kyi, Nobel Peace Prize winner, amongst many other things, an accolade from Amnesty, from Canada, and could there be many others as well. And uh, all that now appears to be going pear-shaped. So 891 hashtag SAFM Viewpoint, if you're going to Tweet and then tag me, Ashraf Garda, and SFM Radio. Voice notes, as always, just 30 seconds, please, to the point. Um, and let me give you that voice note number. In fact, I've, uh, yeah, that's a WhatsApp voice note, of course, right? So that's 0614-104-107. 0614-104-107. What do you make of Aung San Suu Kyi? The show is called The Viewpoint. What's yours? We all want more time with our dads, brothers, partners, and our sons. Time for more conversations, more catch-ups, more of what life is all about. Now is our time to make it happen. Visit and join Movember.com and help change the face of men's health by raising awareness for prostate cancer, testicular cancer, male mental health and suicide prevention. This is an SABC Foundation-supported initiative. Our undivided attention goes to Desiree Ellis in the fourth episode of Playing for the Coach. A founding member of Banyana Banyana and the second captain of the national team, she has made history by becoming the first South African, male or female, to win the Kosafa Cup Championship both as a player and a coach. The reigning Kosafa Cup champion coach of the two consecutive title victories in 2017 and 2018. Don't miss out on Playing for the Coach as we get up close and personal with Desiree Ellis, who led Banyana to be named African Women's Team of the Year at the 2017 CAF Awards. Tune in to SABC One this Sunday at 2.30pm. Proudly brought to you by SABC Sport for the love of the game. Hashtag SAFM Viewpoint.
All right, some of the callers. We've got two guests, of course, Shanila Mohammed from Amnesty International South Africa, uh, and then uh, Boyani Swani from Breakthrough Development, also a lecturer at Gibbs. We're talking about Aung San Suu Kyi, and in particular, the uh, effectively the recall or acknowledgement, um, a, a global consciousness acknowledgement uh, about her position all those years ago, and, and they're saying she just doesn't quite stand up to it. It's a damning indictment, I would think. What do you make of it? KGM, you're on the air. Hello. Okay. Uh, hi, good evening, yeah. Ashraf. Good evening. Yeah, hi, KGM. Good talking to you. Go ahead. Ashraf, um, look, I, I'm, I'm very skeptical of uh, these uh, almost heroic approach to individuals. Nelson Mandela himself was against how many people uh, purported him to be this messiah um, of, of the liberation struggle. Because the truth of the matter of is that there's no one man or one person who can do what, what many people claim individuals do. I mean, historically we know the likes of Martin Luther King, um, we can talk of Nelson Mandela, we can talk of uh, Mahatma Gandhi, uh, the list is, is long, but there's always been these individuals that are glorified, and fairly so sometimes to even their disliking of how they are presented. Now, coming to the, the, this very topic, um, mm. of course, you, you do get people who uh, work and, and dedicate their lives, which is many people, by the way, not just individuals, mm. dedicate mm. their lives to... The, the, the humanitarian jobs, um, be it politically, socially, or otherwise. Now, my humble view is to your guest, and as a challenge, I would like to hear their view. H- how does our elevation of individuals affect even generations to come? For instance, in South Africa, we, we're like a scratched CD. We still talk about Nelson Mandela, but when you ask people, Nelson Mandela has passed. What are you saying? What are you doing? We still even fail to do things on our own. We wait for... All right, I, I hear you, but I mean, quick one, I'm going to let you go. Do you think we should not acknowledge at, at, a, at, a, at a certain moment in time a recognition of people who've achieved certain things? We should recognize it. it it's important that we do that. But the way, the how, Ashraf, the how, the, the way we would elevate an individual at the expense of a nation, I think I have a okay. problem with that. All right. Got that, KGM. Thank you for that call. Um, we're going to get to some of the other callers, Bashir and Sig uh, in Korsinati. We'll get to you in just a moment. Perhaps just I want to go back to, to your thoughts on this, uh, Shanila Mohammed from Amnesty International South Africa. Uh, so the decision was taken. Uh, I would think that Kuminaidu was just the one person who had to deliver the message. H- how much of debate went into it, uh, a deliberation? Look, I think, you know, uh, like I said, when we started, it wasn't a decision we took lightly. I think as a leadership of Amnesty, we really thought long and hard about it. But also, Ashraf, we did not... Uh, we tracked it. You know, one of the things we do as Amnesty is we gather evidence. We are research-based. We are evidence-based. Mm. And so everything we do, and we don't rely on others for information. We go down and we do it ourselves. And so there are a number of reports that we had released, a number of documents that we had sent her. There's a whole lot of evidence that we had sent her about what was happening. And so, you know, her response was very much uh, what... Uh, or her lack of response was really much, uh, very much what triggered uh, mm. our uh, decision. And, and, and in that lack of response, what, what did she actually say? 
Well, I think, you know, on a number of occasions, you try to make excuses, uh, excuses for, um, for example, you know, uh, on the 5th of, of, of November, Amnesty joined with 50 human rights organizations around the world, and we wrote her a letter. And in the letter, we basically told her, we, we highlighted all the laws that she is, that were used against her, that she's now using against people, including journalists, Reuters, Reuters mm-hmm. journalists who were arrested and, and put into jail. And, and you know, she uh, uh, denied it and basically said that, you know, um, made excuses uh, when it came to what the military was doing as well. You know, either there's total silence or there's an excuse. And and I think, you know, as Amnesty, we decided at some point we had given her enough time, we had given her enough opportunity to step up, to do, uh, you know, as my colleague here says, continue to be the beacon of hope, mm. which is really what we need from leaders, is that they shine a light. I, I just want to get clarity on this. I mean, it, it appears this is this is the, the, the systemic wiping out of an entire community of people in ethnic group, right? Mm-hmm. In, and then push them off to neighboring uh, Bangladesh. But but is it being done by, I'm going to use the word government for want of a better word. Is it is it government policy to do that? Or are there individuals, rebel rousers, uh, maybe in that border regions who are doing that and she's turning a blind eye? So is she actually part of it with the military or is she just turning a blind eye, which could well be the same thing? Well, you know, uh, Amnesty has identified a couple of uh, very um, uh, senior um, officials in the in the military uh, that we have identified who are behind this, and it's definitely a um, uh, an ethnic cleansing that's going on. Um, you know, when it started off, she was quiet. But ever since she came into, you know, into uh, taking up uh, the government, uh, I think what's really concerned us is that her government has been re- involved in actually inciting hatred and violence against them in the things they say. Uh, you know, there, there are statements being made by officials in her, in her government that refer to uh, the Rohingya as thorns that need to be plucked out. Okay, well. You know, there's a lot of things that they have said. They've called them fleas. You know, and if you think about it uh, during the Rwandan uh, genocide, that's exactly what was happening there. And she hasn't challenged that. And she has not challenged that. And these are things that we've raised with her constantly, that, you know, this is this is just inciting it. And I was also part of a group that tried to, to engage with her at some point, and she will not respond, you know. And I think that, that uh, you cannot, uh, as a leader stay quiet, um, especially when people in front of you are being murdered. In fact, her people were saying that people were uh, pretending to be raped. People were pretending wow. to burn their houses. I mean, who pretends to be raped? Absolutely. You know, people were lying about being killed. So it's, it's a total whitewashing of, of, of actual history. Okay. And I think that is dangerous. I'm going to get to calls in just a moment. Uh, Bujani, just give me your thoughts. Why would someone... Honestly, a stellar woman, and, and I, you know, if, if you haven't read the books and the people have gone the, the lazy route, and you've seen the movies about it, it, it is a remarkably inspiring story. Why would someone like that, with no valid reason, doesn't appear to be, now sort of almost turn three sixty degrees and, and have this complete cop out? What, what's your understanding of it? Well, maybe we need to pick up from what KGM was indicating in terms of us elevating certain mm. people, as it were. And sometimes there's a necessity for us to be able to lift people up who happen to be role models at a given time. Because we all are aspiring to be able to have somebody who demonstrates the things that we wish could be spread much wider than currently is. Um, and w- the people that uh, KGM raised were all people that could be referred to as moral authority people. Um, you get to be able to speak about a Gandhi on moral authority, mm. not so much in terms of positional power. And again, what you look into it and say 30 months ago, 
in taking on the role what was assumed was moral authority. When in the role now, what we're looking for is legacy. Po post 45, I've said this in, in previous settings, you're no longer working for success. Now, here is somebody who at the age of 70 took on the role of being the leader of a country. Three years later, what's coming through is a reversal of a legacy that was built 27 years earlier. Yeah, very, so, very so something important. is, 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 is okay. problematic. Let's get to, we're going to get to some calls now. If you can, just make one specific point, please, okay? Uh, we don't have too much time. Bashir, you're on the air. Hello. Hi. Look, I'd like to congratulate uh, your guest, Ashraf, uh, you know, Amnesty International and your other guests for Razor Sharp Analysis. Mm -hmm. I just want to know, um, is it true that the Nobel Peace Prize Committee still refuses to uh, withdraw, uh, you know, Aung San's, um, uh, you know, uh, Peace Prize. Uh, if it is true, then is the Nobel Peace Prize, um, you know, has it got any value, moral authority left? Could you guess perhaps uh, answer that for me? Okay. Please? Thanks. Thank you for that, uh, Bashir. You, who knows? Well, I know uh, that they have, yes, they, the committee has refused. They've refused to revoke it. Uh, in answer to your question about whether or not it still carries the moral, I mean, I think, you know, uh, unlike Amnesty, uh, I'm assuming that I can't speak on, on their behalf, but I'm assuming that they gave a prize at a time when they felt there was a relevancy and, and they don't feel that, you know, it's necessary for them to revoke it because it was relevant at that time. You know, with Amnesty, we're a, a movement that is about taking injustice personally. And so, you know, we don't. Our ambassador of conscience is not even an award; it's an ambassador of conscience. Yeah, it's uh, a responsibility. Yes, it's clear. exactly. Yeah. So yeah. it's not. We're not giving you a prize. You know, we're giving you a mantle, and we're saying, run with it. This is who you are. Keep your conscience alive. Keep it alive, because we need people like you in order to stop the brutality that's happening in the world. When you drop that baton then, you know, as far as we're concerned, you're gone. Well, there you are. Please give 50 million of those to South Africans. It'll just help us <laughs> as we battle with our own issues in our country. It's an important point there. Uh, right. Sig, you're on the Hello, Sig. Hello. Good evening. Thank you very much. And to your distinguished guests, uh, I have no doubt whatsoever. And I've been collecting heroes. And mm. she was right in on top among them, uh, very close after the likes of Nelson Mandela. Uh, she sacrificed several decades of her life uh, to, to human rights ideals, mm. which she has now sold down the river. Now, I wanted to ask the experts that you've got with you, why would she have betrayed those human rights ideals for which she sacrificed. Well, well I'll tell you what, they, they've left a message years. for her on what their, on their WhatsApp, and she's not replying. Uh, prejudices, okay. her racial prejudices, or her nationalistic prejudices, or what was it? Was it some fear of a threat that these uh, poor Rohingyas posed to her nation? Okay, good, good question. Sig, thanks for that call. I, I mean, it sounds crazy. She, you've actually asked that already of her. You've approached her, right? I'm, I'm suggesting rather naughtily that she's not replying to the WhatsApp messages, but, but, but would there be a greater reason? You, you want to go for it? Would there be, you know, for example, is the military... Is she effectively under house arrest, if, if I can put it that way, mental house arrest of, of not being able to make decisions? 
Well, you know, Ashraf, uh, you know, if that was the case, I think it's something that we would have known because, we, like I said, we're on the ground, we're there, you know, we're in contact with her. Uh, we would have known that. I think that it's 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 a combination of factors. You know, I think sometimes we do it ourselves. We house arrest ourselves uh, because we're just not willing to take that step. She, her age also comes into it, and I hate to be an ageist, but I also feel at some point people do have to hand over, you know, the thing because sometimes you can't, you know, what you could do when you were much younger just you know it's it's just taken out of you and i think it's a combination of factors you know all the things that were raised is probably it's probably somewhere in the middle there but unfortunately we're never going to know because she's never come straight out and and said look what are the issues but she's definitely not under house arrest she's definitely able to take decisions and she's just choosing not to okay unless she makes a press statement now in the light of of the amnesty position uh gossinati from bloomington you're on the air hello Hi, hi. Okay, thank you. Right, go ahead. From, from, from Bloom. Okay. Um, I was just saying, if Aung San Chi has power to to actually execute, uh, sorry, execute um, executive power from her position as a Nobel Peace Prize winner, why can she not fight for human rights or speak out loud as if as he is bestowed as a Nobel Peace Prize. But I mean, that, that's the that's the obvious question that we all asking. Okay, thanks for that call. That's like pretty obvious, and we just don't quite have the answers. I, I would think, uh, Bianca, we've got about three minutes mm. to go. The the impact, or, or maybe just Anila, quick one. Has she responded at all to to the amnesty position? No, but but uh, officials in her government have, and what they've been, not to us, but to the media, and and you know, the, it's been a combination of well, you know, this is really stupid and childish. It's like giving somebody a toy and taking it back. Uh, and somebody else, uh, one of the other officials has said it's really, really sad and that her reputation is in tatters all over the world. So, I mean, but she herself has not responded. Okay. Now, I was asking you, Bjarni, your thoughts in terms of the, at that level, I mean, the, uh, and I think someone like Bishop Tutu also spoke out against her a couple of years ago. I tend to be corrected. You would know that, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's like a damning indictment when, when someone like, like that uh, basically says, you're not in my corner. What, what would this do to her own reputation now? Well, I mean, when you think about reputation, it, it in itself has, has got to do with the combination of what you're doing in terms of your personal character and what you're doing in terms of the competence of the work you do. Um, I, I want to build on two other, two other elements, which have to do with your ability to connect with the people that you, uh, you you lead. And the third one, I mean, the fourth one, sorry, is about courage. Sometimes there's a necessity. You might say to yourself, well, as I was moving to the position, I demonstrated all courage. Now that I'm in the position, I no longer have to be able to do that. Now, unfortunately, that undoes all of the things that you were building up, which is unfortunate when that happens. In, in the space of leadership, what we're looking for is distinctive contribution. We're looking for something that really stands out. And here is somebody that we've looked up to and said, you were able to show how to lead. And you identified the core need the key need that was there in the community was that they were repressed and you stood up, stood against that, that repression. Mm. When you end up doing the same thing, something has gone wrong. So there's some amnesia Absolutely. has taken place there. Yeah, we, we've called for voice notes. Here's, here's another. Ashra, the, the leader of Myanmar, that lady, is it not possible that there's something that the world, the international world is missing? It doesn't make sense that somebody who was given awards for human rights can suddenly just be like that in a few years. Is there 
not something that the world is missing. There is something that is hidden, something that is not explainable. Well, we're asking the same question. What is what is missing here? Uh, let's. Can am I, I'm going to suggest that besides Amnesty giving out this award as Ambassador of Conscience, it's a wonderful title, I would think, that ultimately you want to change society. When, you, when it was given in the first place, it's a recognition of what her position is. Withdrawing it is also a recognition of her position. And the greater problem is the persecution of the of this, this ethnic group, the Rohingya Muslims, right? Do you think that, that your position in Amnesty has got tremendous clout on the back then of what Canada has done as well, uh, would this would this set things in motion that that maybe finally it'll become a bigger issue and and changes will will happen in that in that country? Look, I mean, I think that um, you know we have continued and we will continue to fight for the rights of the Rohingya, um, with or without her. I also think that uh, you know by withdrawing this this uh, ambassador of conscience, I think as Amnesty we're sending quite a strong message out to leaders that it doesn't matter where you've come from. It's exactly what Viani says. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter whether you're part of a liberation struggle. It doesn't matter where you come from. It what matters what matters is where you end up. And I think that is what the problem is and that you cannot you cannot afford the luxury of jumping off the horse when it suits you and so what we're saying is that if you are a human rights defender if you're a leader if you are somebody who has the authority to do this and you need to do it you need to step up if you're tired then leave give it to somebody else okay. last anybody else been stripped of that award no okay so this time. is unprecedented but yeah. i'll leave it for you with the last 30 seconds to make a final point well, I think what's, what's really critical is to be able to think about what legacy we want to be able to leave behind. The taking away of the award sends a message all over the world that we will honor you when you do something great because we want role models. But we'll also pull out because the key factor is about conscience. And if conscience is a thing that we need to be able to follow, when it gets to be numb, we tolerate things that we did not tolerate previously. So it is vital for us to be able to ask ourselves, do we still have a conscience? Leadership that is ethical carries on with asking questions that are asking uh, that are about, and I still in step with the promises that I've made. When you make a promise, you actually get to be able to have people believe in you. When you keep the promise, trust is built, and the nations require trust. It's the currency that we need more than anything else. Well, there you are. Let's leave it at that. Uh, that's Priyani Zwani from Breakthrough Development, uh, also a lecturer at Gibbs, and uh, Shanila Mohammed, who's the Executive Director of Amnesty International South Africa. And I'll just make the point once again, the Amnesty International Global is headed by a South African community. So they've taken that position, uh, withdrawing this Ambassador of Conscience Award Acknowledgement Responsibility to Aung San Suu Kyi for the position that's happened now with the Rohingya Muslims. It's a fascinating, important one. It's a really tragic story indeed. I appreciate your time both of you Thank we'll you. have a podcast up of this tomorrow morning around nine o'clock let's change that completely and get into innovation around apps in a moment